So we're living in a post uh, Ric Flair wrestling world. Oh yeah, his last match ever. His last match. Yeah. Did he die? He almost did. It was on the bingo card. Did it you was. see the bingo card? Did Death. See, did you see the guy with the sign in the crowd too? What did that say? Oh, it was like Dead Man Walking. <laughs> yeah. I also like the fact that he, he won with a, a pin from a figure four lead lock where but his he shoulders was, yeah. were also down because he couldn't physically lift himself off I think the he was briefly unconscious. Yeah, that's How old is he? 74? He's, he's basically... I mean, he's yeah, whatever yeah. he is, he's in the body of a 92-year-old. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah big time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but still such luscious blonde hair, so... Mm. He's doing yeah. something right. Obviously, obviously he cut his head doing open. something right. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, he played. Yeah. He's got to commit. He does have to commit. I mean, you know, it wouldn't be his last match without seeing some of his blood, would it? Yeah, and is it really his last match? They'll wheel him out again in 10 I'm years. pretty sure he yeah. said in this isn't Taker. my last match oh, really? in his promo. <laughs> but I'm not sure whether that was the concussion and he meant this is my last match. I don't Never know. has anyone been as obsessed with their own history as uh, World Wrestling Entertainment. It wasn't yeah. It wasn't. Oh, was it not WWE? No, it WWE. It was Jim no, sorry, it wasn't his own thing. Yeah? Yeah, I don't know how much he charged for it. It wasn't but... a yacht, was it? No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Oh, yachts. Like on the subject of yachts and boats and all sorts, oh. I discovered the Weezer Cruise was a thing. The, the Weezer day. Cruise. The Are Weezer you angry Cruise. that you weren't there? Is that what this is about? Hundred percent. Yeah. They played Pinkerton as they left port. Like, wow. How great is that? Like, I don't know, man. Aren't a lot of their songs about fingering young girls? <laughs> <laughs> what? Pinkerton. I don't know. Uh, no. Fucking run the intro. <laughs> run the intro. Go into the intro now, Drew. Quick. Wow! Here we are, live from the dungeon. The 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 hot plate. The I'm already quite sweaty. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hi, this is Gashapod, your seasonal podcast uh, dealing with the muck and the mire in pop culture history. Um, how we quite arrived at this point, I don't know. We used to cover wholesome subjects like Uwe Boll and yeah, furries and, <laughs> and furries and crinklies, but no, now now it's just the deep dark. Uh, Underbelly of yeah of, the the, the yeah. terrible black psyche of mankind. Hell yeah, there's there's murder in this one. Well, I say murder. There's like well, there is actually murder. There's also loads of death. Okay, uh, a lot of it, Good. and uh, almost always uh, it's kind of atypical of me. The Tory party. Hey! <laughs> so if you've got your drinking your uh, gashapod drinking game cards at the ready, take a sip <laughs> on that one. Um, uh, for those of you joining us for the first time, my name is Drew, and uh, the voice you just heard talking about the Tories was my co-host Matt. Hello. And we are joined by uh, the mix master himself on the ones and twos. Mix master done. Yeah. Two MCs You're and right. one DJ. There we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my initials are DJ, so. Holy so shit. Yeah. My, yeah. I'm not going to. You... <laughs> I'm assuming he's got a middle name. I've got a middle know. name, yeah. I was going to say, because. Well, your initials are DJ and I was just like, and the rest. Was DJF. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, but I, I didn't want to. So it's not technically DJ, is it? No, but I could be DJ second name. Oh, this is like when the nerd at school tries to give themselves a cool nickname, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. And we just end up calling him. Your name's Dan, him. it's DJ for sure. Yeah, and then just immediately the bullies go, no, your name's Pooh, mate. We're going to call you Pooh. But the worst thing is about my initials is that I have exactly the same initials as my dad. So we get a lot of mail, and he opens my mail, and I open his mail when I live with him. That must be fun. Yeah, I know, right? That's a really pointless thing that I've just Shall we crack on with the subject? Yeah, no, okay. no, I want to hear more about the mail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you what are we talking about? Mail. What are we talking about? Uh, brace yourselves. Uh, we'll be discussing the history of the British Board of Film Classification. So shall we go back to the Royal Mail? <laughs> yeah. What a gang. What a what a. I used to think this would be a job I'd quite want. Cause you're just like, I just sit and watch movies all day. You wouldn't be allowed because you've got too many ties. You've got too much interest in the film industry. Oh, is that, you have to be sort of. Do you have to be absolute dullard? To a degree. Wow. I'd say so. Like you can't have any like connections really to studios or people that work in the industry. Right. Um, yeah. If you're a cinephile, I am a well kind connected of... man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and if you're a cinephile, you just I think it's kind of frowned upon to be in the BBFC. You've got to kind of be of like middle class background. Mm. Um, maybe worrying about what this what the schools are teaching nowadays. No. That sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, we're, we will be talking about the emergence of the video nasty. Nice. Uh, 
That'll be that'll be fun. Brace yourself for the video nasty stuff. Either are you too old enough to really remember the video? Nasty I was born in eighty eight. So yeah, I, I I was kind of cognizant towards the tail end of it because I was yeah. just getting to the point where the horror section of blockbuster video was kind of enticing to yes. me, yeah. and I was aware that I had friends whose parents would go to car boots and markets and. Um, tapes would change Just hands imagine, and yeah. you know you, you would get invited around to watch things that were um, frankly you know uh, horrifying to the eyes it, of sort of it, yeah. old or... it makes sense because it bled out into the early 90s <clears throat> uh, yeah this is it yeah. I, yeah I caught the tail end of it especially with Child's Play we'll get into it but yes, especially with Child's well. Play yeah Shit films, which is uh, yeah, shock yeah. horror. But we we will be diving into the the early history of the BBFC to start off with, mm. um, along with how the government helped create this black market for banned movies in the nineteen eighties. Well done, Tory party. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking about uh, the BBFC's bizarre approach to the nunchuck and some of the absolutely bewildering campaigns against, as we know, the sick, twisted, and ultimately perverted movies. Yeah. Specifically, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm yes, assuming. <laughs> 100%. I like turtles. Yeah. Uh, to kick things off, though, it is worth mentioning the research for these episodes. Always. I did a lot for this one. You did. Uh, well done. Pat on the back. Seduction yeah. of the Gullible was one of them. Uh, the truth behind the video nasty scandal by John Martin, and behind the scenes at the BBFC uh, film classification from the silver screen to the digital age by Edward Lambetti. There was also the BBFC's resources online. There's quite a few on there. If you if you bored one of them, they slack okay. themselves um, off. So do they slack themselves off? Um, they don't necessarily slack themselves off, but they do kind of um, they bring up a lot of the stuff they were wrong about. Okay, um, sure. They recognised that the leash was perhaps held a little too tight back in the yes, the, yeah, the glory days of uh, ban this sick filth. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we I've also I looked at Jake West documentaries. Uh, I believe they are on the Arrow uh, subscription service. Okay. Ooh, uh, good, good, video good, nasty is moral panic, censorship, and videotape and draconian days. So it's okay. like a two-parter. Cool. Which is worth your time. Now, at one point, there was actually a time when the BBFC didn't exist. Uh, in 1909, we had the Cinematograph Act, uh, which specified strict building codes and safety measures in cinemas due to the highly flammable film that was used back then. Shit, as you yeah, know. if anyone's seen Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> yeah, because fires happened regularly. Yeah. And what was it, in 1897, 140 people died in a blaze during a screening in France. Nice. Uh, later in 1929, a small cinema in Scotland resulted in the death of 71 people who were crushed to death um, due to the fire escapes being blocked. It's not very small then, is it? 71 people. Well, a small cinema in Scotland. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. They're, all, they're all stuffed <laughs> well, in. We'll talk about this as well. Okay. Like Essentially, like how uh, the BBFC came into this is because of cramming people in, right. like Bizarre. sardines. I remember my dad taking me to see The Rescuers Down Under and being asked if we wanted to sit in the smoking section or the non-smoking section. Oh, uh, wow. I was just like, two things. How does the smoke know? <laughs> <laughs> but also, like... A smoking section in the rescuers down under is um it's sort of like worrying when it becomes like smog and it sounds like Tim Curry. Oh Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Toxic load. So local authorities would actually rely on the cinematograph act to stop dodgy businessmen from okay. running questionable penny theatres, which were hugely popular in the early nineteen hundreds. They allowed for any size theatre to be crammed full, uh, as much as possible. And these local councils, they also used the act to make decisions on what films would actually be licensed in their own county. Right. And occasionally, they'd outright ban the exhibition of a new film if they didn't care for the material in it. So it was just managed down at the actual, like, county level? Then, yes, it was. Like, yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah. Wow, what a job. This happened in 1910 when the London County Council, concerned that a race riot would occur, banned the screening of Jack Johnson's win against James Jeffries in a boxing match. Yeah. Jeffries, who was dubbed ugh, the Great White Hope at the time, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he lost spectacularly to Jack Johnston, uh, a black man who would face several setbacks in his career due to the colour of his skin. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, race rights did actually happen a lot over in the US, mm-hmm. and as a result of that, any film distribution of prize fighting was actually banned up until the 1940s. Wow. wow. So you either went and saw it there or you listened to it on the radio? Yeah. Yeah. I just imagined the sweaty men punching each other. Oh, yeah. Now, religion is actually going to come up like numerous times in this episode. Uh, councils would even stop cinemas from opening on a Sunday. Uh, and if they did, uh, businesses would receive a hefty fine wow. for it too. Imagine not having cinemas on a Sunday. Ima- imagine having your trading 
to be based on uh, arbitrary religious holidays. Mm -hmm. Imagine ceasing trading on a Sunday, for instance, at 4pm. I wonder which famous toy store does that. (laughs) (laughs) Christ, yeah, they still don't open on Sundays, do they? No, no, there's a a toy store that doesn't open on Sundays and they don't have any Harry Potter. No, they don't, because it's the devil! It's yeah. the witchcraft and the sorcery. Are we deliberately not naming the toy? I mean, we it's can, the entertainers. They're the entertainer. Oh, they're going to do. Oh, right. Come at me. I, I, I remember somebody telling me that, thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, we've Good probably point. mentioned it before, but it seems strange because they still do Pokemon. I yes. think so. I don't know what the score is with evolution. What's your there. opinion on dinosaurs? <laughs> uh, you know what I'll have to look next time see whether or not they've actually got any of those like yeah. small plastic dinosaurs in there. I mean, we can't say too much. We did get our Turbo Man from there. Well, I we say did. we got one each. We don't share. No, <laughs> no, That'd no. be weird. The only thing probably, yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> Two grown men going to buy a toy that they would share as opposed to one each. The woman was just like, "Let me go in the back and get you the best looking box." And I was just like, "Oh, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> thank, thank you though. I appreciate it. If you're listening out there." <laughs> So the British Board of Film Censors was set up in 1912 as an independent, non-government, non-profit organisation, which was actually funded by distributors to help set the standard for film ratings across the country. That almost sounds sensible. Well, I assume this was like the um, like the Comics Code kind of thing, where it was a sort of like let's set up some sort yes. of system yeah. to govern ourselves before it's brought in at a government level. That's that's interesting. Yeah, because yeah. uh, whilst Hollywood adopted the Hayes Code. Uh, that was actually set on based on an industry uh, a set of industry guidelines mm-hmm. for self censorship from the 1920s, and the BBFC actually based their certification on public attitudes. So they always kind of like change it up every sort of decade, yeah. as we'll find out. It's worth noting uh, that the Hayes Code kind of actually came about from pressure from religious and political organisations. Surprise, surprise! No, no, right. Shocker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, because a lot of them uh, they deemed the film industry to be morally questionable. Uh, and its values just wouldn't be acceptable today. I think we'll probably have to look at uh, another episode at some point about the Hayes Code mm. um, because it's kind of weird in America how how strict they are with swear words. And but however, when it comes to kind of disturbing content, that that seems to get a pass right. <laughs> for the most part. Have you seen this slight tangent? Have you seen this story about the guy who's currently campaigning in the southern states to get the Bible banned in several schools because it features oh, really? rape, incest, and murder, and is therefore inappropriate for children to read? I dig it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, good on you, pal. Yeah, 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 that'll fucking show. Them. Yeah, they'll learn their lesson. <laughs> <laughs> they will. And one of the actual very first films for the BBFC to examine was uh, From the Manger to the Cross, which had a successful eight-month release in cinemas, because guess this, thanks in part to the outcry from the Daily Mail, who asked, is nothing sacred to the filmmaker for literally doing a film based on some religious story? The, the Mail were foaming at the mouth yeah. over this, um, because they, they were the way that what they were saying essentially was that it was providing profits. So religious stories was providing profits to businessmen. So they're in exploiting. America. Yeah, they're exploiting yeah. the religion. Back then, you're like this. Uh, examiners would be paid a fee of two pound for every reel they viewed, which equates to two hundred and forty-two pound today. Wow! I mean, inflation anyway is not that far off, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Just sliding back down. And uh, the panel consisted of four examiners, typically back then, who had no interest in cinema or the trade surrounding it. If the film was problematic and the examiners couldn't settle on a verdict, it went to the president at the time, wow. who was a man called George A. Redford. Uh, the board started to issue certificates in 1913 in just two categories at first. We had U, which was universal for all, and A, which imposed no age restriction, but did contain material more suitable for adult audiences. So you could still bring the kid along. It was just kind of a warning, mm-hmm. essentially. Sure. In the first year, the examiners watched over 7,510 films, uh, with cuts being made to 166 different pictures, wow. even back then. One of the first ever films to receive significant cuts was a movie called £1,000 Reward, which was a story of how one convict escaped a prison in Dorset. So, according to these reports, a prison commissioner wrote to the BBFC to get the film banned because he was concerned the film would give prisoners ideas. <laughs> I mean, just don't show them. Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> yeah, but Ralph, it... I told you not to show this one. Yeah, but maybe, maybe you'll watch it and you'll be like, oh, okay, so even if I get caught when I go and rob this bank, I know what to get out. Same thing happened when Shawshank Redemption came out. Yeah, that's it. Sales of Rita Hayworth posters went through the roof. <laughs> and spoons. 
Yeah. Well, the cuts actually made the film unwatchable. So oh, even if, it was just butchered to the point. Even if they did watch it, they'd be like, "How did they get from point A to point yeah. B?" He was in the prison the next <laughs> minute. He's just sitting in a park reading a book. <laughs> the BBFC finally decided to settle on some clear written codes on what actually constituted as a violation, and here are some of them. E. Brace yourselves for a lovely long list. We had uh, ambiguous titles and subtitles, cruelty to animals. Mm. Uh, the uh, f- uh, bad treatment of sacred subjects, <laughs> drunken scenes carry to excess. That's me on a Friday night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Documentaries about you, five Tokyos in. But they don't yeah. leave the uh, the Saturday and Sunday where he's suffering. Yeah. Now, well, vulgar accessories in the staging. The modus. What? Yeah. What does that even mean? Vulgar, like, I don't know, maybe suggested like items. Oh, okay. Yeah, so essentially no used. No dildos. Uh, we could not have the MO of criminals, of course, uh, like the previous film, £1,000 okay. reward. Okay. The unnecessary exhibition of underclothing. Ooh. Uh, nude figures. Offensive vulgarity and uh, inappropriate conduct and dress. Indecorous dancing. Excessively passionate love scenes. <laughs> Bathing scenes passing the limits, realistic horrors of warfare, scenes and incidents calculated to afford information to the enemy, incidents having a tendency to disparage our allies, and scenes holding up the king's uniform to contempt or ridicule. And this is why the initial jackass that was made in the 1930s just didn't do as well as the remake that they did in the 2000s. Yeah, so... There's loads. There's also like what subjects dealing with India, in which British officers are seen in an odious light. Oh yeah, yeah. And otherwise, was it attempting to suggest the disloyalty of British officers, native states, or bringing into uh, British prestige into the empire? Now I know this isn't recent, recent, but it's certainly more recent history. But I've been watching a documentary on the making of Apocalypse Now. Oh yeah, and. Uh, the reason they had to use the Philippines helicopters for all those famous helicopter scenes was because they asked the US Army and the Department of Defense and they basically said no because we don't believe that you should paint Vietnam in a bad light despite uh, the fact okay. it was after Vietnam yeah, and they wow. literally, no matter how hard um, Coppola tried they could not get the USA to, to agree to it America mm, exactly, America. so it still happens obviously we had drugs uh, we had subjects dealing with white slave traffic. Uh, we had uh, the seduction of girls, indelicate sexual situations. Uh, situa- what about delicate? Then? Oh. It, so what is delicate? Oh, anything goes as long as you're delicate. <laughs> well, I mean, we have as long to... as one lays a handkerchief on the ground before <laughs> conducting. Yeah. 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 Well, situations accentuating delicate marital relations. What even is that? Uh, Half of these, I don't know what they are. Oh, brace yourself. Men and women in bed together. (laughs) The filthiest. Uh, (laughs) Scenes depicting the effect of disease. Incidents suggestive of uh, incest relations. And themes and references relating to race suicide and the materialisation of the conventional figure of Christ. Mm. Okay, so what could you show? Exactly. And as the years actually passed, uh, tensions rose in several countries and the BBFC soon realised the potential of film being used for propaganda, which played into some of their decision-making later on. And uh, Battleship Potemkin, a Russian film, was uh, an important one that was outright banned mm-hmm. by the BBFC when it came over. And it wasn't actually supposed to be shown until Joseph Stalin died. Uh, Joseph Stalin died. Right. Which has... Uh, was, basically due to the fears of the dirty working class rising up if they watched the movie. <laughs> I watched the movie. I, I fell asleep. I didn't rise up. No, no you didn't feel any communist leaning. <laughs> no, not the slightest. It's actually been reviewed several times since, you know, and it wasn't until uh, it was submitted in 2011 for a BFI uh, theatrical release <laughs> when they finally showed it with some of the restored uh, footage from the film. Which is crazy. That long ago, mm. like... And, I mean, uh, it's all right. It's no Cocoon 2. No, no. I mean, what is? <laughs> a Serbian film. It's not quite a Serbian film. No. That's a I did go through a bit of a phase of going, you can't tell me what I can and can't. Yeah. <laughs> then I watched Serbian film and I was very sad. Yeah. Very sad indeed for a while after that one. The BBFC had also refused a certificate for the silent film called Dawn, which depicted a British nurse being executed for being a spy in Germany during World War One. 
because that's essentially because Dawn had created a lot of uproar uh, and this forced the BBFC to begin vetting scripts before shooting Jesus. had even begun. Still, despite the BBFC providing some of these important certifications, local authorities would still continue to abuse their powers by deciding what got shown instead, mm-hmm. despite what the BBFC said. And over in Manchester, the council banned children from watching Frankenstein even <laughs> after the drowning scene had been cut. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. And if Universal didn't fare too well with the BBFC in the beginning, surprise, surprise. Well, yeah, in the, the home of monster movies. Yeah, yeah, well, Phantom of the Opera was outright banned for being too horrific, and it took a whole six years for it to be released to the public. <laughs> Dracula and Frankenstein had also pushed the BBFC to produce a new category, which was called H, simply for horror. Right. Uh, very imaginative. The new certificate didn't ban children from attending these movies. It was just simply used as a warning. But again, councils still didn't listen. And if they saw H, they'd be like, nah, this ain't happening. I have recently, have either of you guys watched the Universal Monster movies of the 30s? It's a long time. I've got the fancy box set. Yeah, Um, I watched them all a couple of years ago. And I would say they hold up for the most part. Yeah, I think so. Certainly instrumental in me learning how to get closer to women one way or another. (laughs) Um, You know. How? Well, you know, shadows. Capes, yeah, the usual. So that's closest to women without them wanting. I couldn't afford, yeah, I couldn't afford one of those online pickup artist no. uh, uh, programs. So I was just like, cool. How does Bella Lugosi? Woo. <laughs> 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 he has a new figure coming out soon. He has a new what? Oh, new figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, figure. Have we, said, yeah. have we said food? That is a spot on. Yeah. Bella Lugosi food. What? That's it. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> As the Second World War reared its ugly head, the Ministry of Information started working with the BBFC. And yeah, that, that resulted in a very strained relationship. I'm sure. Yeah, several feel-good war movies were being passed without any issue, but anything that warranted a H certificate was banned for years during the Second World War. Their reasoning was because the war was already showing us enough atrocities. And they wanted to keep up morale. Yeah, you didn't need to pay yeah, to see the horror okay. in the cinema because this was all around you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I get it, but also escapism. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a very sensitive time, I guess. Of course. Um, but despite this, actually, the BBFC were concerned over the representation of mental illness and its portrayal in cinemas uh, because, obviously, we had the return of several injured servicemen who were mentally scarred. Mm. So they kind of vetted a lot of stuff. Lunacy, had... man. Lunacy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, due to this brief suspension of horror movies, a new report recommended the introduction of a new category, a much cooler sounding certificate called X. Wow. Yeah, X. Limited audiences to those over 16 years. Uh, one of the first British films to receive this certification was a title, a film called Cosh Boy, along with a bunch of naughty French films. Surprise, surprise. Hey, the girls. French love their naughty films. They certainly yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And Cosh Boy was actually banned in Birmingham and Sweden. Due to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a weird alliance. Yeah, weird Bastions alliance. Bastions of conservativeship. Yeah. yeah. The reasoning behind this ban was because uh, it was focused on a story about delinquent teenagers. It was the first of its kind. Right. And okay. uh, yeah, some studios had fun with the classification, and one poster advertising the 1951 film Detective Story went in hard with its promotion. X marks the spot. Detective Story, the first of the X certificate films to be booked by a major circuit, has triumphantly passed the acid test. Now, in the second great week of its London release, it is proving to all the exhibitors that they need have no qualms about booking a picture with an X certificate. X marks the spot where most business is being done. Hell yeah, it is. Nice. So, so when uh, when the, when the film. Uh, Production is starting to use it as a uh, as a selling point. Oh yeah, they really yeah, were. Yeah, I'm uh, sure that pissed them off. Well, this is the rise yeah. of the teenager as well in the 1950s, isn't yes. it? Yeah. So all of a sudden, that kind of like delinquency. Let's kind of do shit that our parents, you know, I slick my hair back and ride a motorbike. Absolutely. Oh yeah, we'll get into this with Marlon Brando and everything. Oh, okay. Fair enough. And interestingly enough, with X films, uh, larger cinemas weren't comfortable with booking any of these, uh, so the independents were wasting no time in getting the filth out there. Yeah. Uh, so they they were putting on double bills and they a lot of cinemas reported at least like 25% more business well, on that alone. Alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coming off the release of Cosh Boy though, an incident in Croydon resulted it resulted in the death of a policeman during a struggle with a 16-year-old and the mm. film was blamed for warping the minds of the British youth. Where have we heard that before? Yeah. And, uh, Everywhere. 
Yeah, we have everywhere. For, oh, every time, yeah, every time a new medium comes on, yeah, that's yeah. the yeah. new thing to blame. Yeah. But these uh, teenage delinquents, they became the main concern of the newspapers in the 50s. And the term properly, because I didn't realise the term didn't properly enter the British lexicon until the 50s or 60s, the word teenager. Yeah. And the Daily Mirror were desperate to understand this new form of adolescence. My son, who was a 14... <laughs> sorry. My son... <laughs> Will, do you mind? My, my son... I'm, I'm just going to take it up a notch every time. My son, who was 14 a month ago, used to be reasonably obedient and straightforward. He confided in me and we were best of friends. This last year, he's been steadily changing. He's cheeky and he's sulky. Why should a boy change like this? Do you think he's got into bad company? I'm so worried in case... Sorry, I'm so worried in case he becomes one of the delinquents we read so much about. You're right, dear. <laughs> I feel like I've just walked into EastEnders. It's, it's impressive. Man of a thousand voices. That was, that was... Man of seven and a half voices. I, think I felt like I was in Croydon. I once called somebody ducking crowd and they looked at me as if I'd fucking just slap their mother. They <laughs> <laughs> were so confused at what I just said. Yeah. My, yeah. My dad hates being referenced as like deer or duck. He's really? like, I'm not a fucking animal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm something else. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we briefly mentioned, I briefly mentioned him earlier, but Marlon Brando, uh, he had a film called The Wild One, mm-hmm. which was rejected by the BBFC for 13 years because it was a spectacle of unbridled hooliganism. Wow. Yeah. Much like myself. <laughs> I'll tell you what didn't help, though. I mean, obviously there's no connection, but several riots across uh, seaside towns in the 60s mm. completely reaffirmed the board stance. Mods and rockers. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah. And uh, Rebel Without a Cause was another that received yeah, yeah. several cuts. Uh, and Beat Girl, which was the British equivalent of Rebel, did not impress the board, who ended up judging the product to be of squalid and illiterate minds. Ooh, I yeah. think we talked about that before. And there was a previous episode where we briefly touched upon um, might have actually, yeah. Beat Girl and, and yeah. that cause and, and all of that. Hoo-ha! And a substantial amount of horror and sci-fi received the ex-certification in the 50s. And uh, yeah, one company though was set to test the BBFC's patience for almost twenty years, <laughs> and that was Hammer. Ah, yeah. oh, good old Hammer. I'm so yeah. glad they're back. Are they still back? I think they're still back. I think so. Yeah. Back and forth. Dan, do some research on where Hammer's at these days. Okay. I'm sure they they oh. disappeared for a good long time. Yeah. Um, and now, yeah, they put they put something out not long ago that I was. This this is a bollocks. This is nonsense. We're going to call all of this out, but they put something out. Oh, okay. Quite recently, that was very good. Yeah. So good, I can almost remember what it's called <laughs> or what it was about. I think like I, they must have. Hammer must have come back at one point where I was watching Emily Booth on the Horror Channel. I knew Emily Booth was going to come up today. Yeah, well, it's me talking to. Yeah, yeah I feel like she should be the podcast mascot at this point. Hundred <laughs> percent. Where's the cardboard cutout? He's definitely going to put her in the thumbnail, isn't he? <laughs> Is she on cameo? <laughs> She's got a Patreon now. That's oh. <laughs> my oh, evening sorted after we record. So Hammer was actually a homegrown horror studio, if people don't know, and they would actually request the ex-certification. Nice. They wouldn't wait for it, yes, they just always ask for it. And one examiner, who had reportedly had a somewhat nervous disposition, constantly dismissed Hammer's films, who described one of their scriptwriter's style as uncouth, uneducated, disgusting and vulgar. Ooh. And she had a lot of things to say about the first Frankenstein script. <laughs> a lot of my early exposure to boobies was... Uh screenings of Hammer movies on sort of like late night BBC Two and things yeah, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, occult devilry going on where, you know, apparently a very important part of satanic ritual is uh, exposing a liberest. Oh, yes, um, of course. Much to the delight of sort of 11-year-old me. Only the best sort of rituals. Yep. So, <laughs> Tip jewels. <laughs> oh, very nice. <laughs> this, uh, this nervous examiner also had this to say about Frankenstein. A, a, a lip-smacking relish for mutilated corpses, repulsive, dismembered hands and eyeballs removed from the head, oh, removed from the head, alternates with gratuitous examples of sadism and lust. Bless her. <laughs> 
And the BBFC would constantly vet these scripts, and despite their notes on the scripts, Hammer would still shoot the set with the same script. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they knew, like, overseas censorship wouldn't be as harsh. Yeah. So they yeah, and... Uh, I'm just imagining Christopher Lee looking at the yellow pages and be like, <laughs> I didn't hunt bloody Nazis during the <laughs> but I can't bite the tits of a naked young woman on top of this hill. Has anybody seen that Lord of the Rings behind the scenes where he's talking to Peter Jackson about like what it's like to stab somebody? And the, and the, oh my days, because obviously like he knows he stabbed people oh, before yeah, in the war. Yeah. And he was, was just like, badass. he's like, no, it sounds like this, Peter. And it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> no, no, it sounds like this. Fetch uh, me a pudding. <laughs> Typically the board where they, they hated blood. Surprise, surprise. So to counter any issues they had with the Bride of Frankenstein, Hammer presented the film to them in black and white before planning to release it in colour. Hells Excellent. yeah. Excellent. <laughs> They pulled the same trick with Dracula and Hammer began to argue that the industry was starved of horror, complaining that the genre was meaningless now because what is the certification without horror? Mm-hmm. Despite all of these appeals, Hammer had to make an edit to Dracula that would actually win over the BBFC, but their practices had compromised any goodwill that they had been left with. However, the times were about to change for the BBFC as the swinging 60s presented a time of peace, free love, some band called The Beatles, and a hard shift in cinema culture. Oh, behave! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that? baby. Remember that, then? Remember I do. Yeah. Austin Powers, Austin mate. Austin Powers. I, I did watch um, International Man of Mystery, or whatever it was called, the, the first one. Oh, yeah? A yeah. couple of months. A couple of years ago. Yeah, we watched those not long ago. It's not terrible. Yeah, 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 amazing films. Yeah. Some absolutely. of the best comedy around. Yeah. <laughs> no rap race, but still. No, 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 no but, but what is? When he, when he strips and the, the fanbots explode. Yeah, fuck Good. me, fuck you. Twins, yeah. Basil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a joke that passed today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. These 60s, though, they brought in the likes of some of my favourite films, uh, the likes of Rosemary's Baby, The Graduate, Psycho, and some franchise called James Bond. Ah. And see, uh, Drew's ears pricked up just then. Yes, it's... My, my dad gland is uh, <laughs> thickening as we, as we speak. But it is very important to talk about James Bond in this context because they had the highest number of cuts for any franchise ever. Mm-hmm. And they still forgot to do the bit where J- uh, Sean Connery turns into a, a Chinese gentleman. Oh yeah, that was an Im- that was an integral plot point. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, uh, also, I would like to point out that them changing him into a Japanese person involved waxing his chest <laughs> and I think taping his eyes. Did they tape his eyes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But that was it. He was still like a six foot four Scotchman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just with no chest hair. In a kimono. Did he, did he do an accent? No, he didn't even do an English accent after the well, first two yeah, films. Yeah, I know, yeah. I'm not, I know, I'm, I'm shot fucking Connery. That's better, yeah. And when Doctor No actually appeared on British shores, it received several cuts for excessive violence, but these, uh, these cuts were actually made to the negatives. Hmm. So we've not been able to see Doctor No... Uh, oh, as wow. its original film From Russia with Love had several cuts were involving bond necking women oh yes yeah Goldfinger had some saucy sex scenes removed and Thunderball struggled to even get an adults only rating due to the BBFC sending producer Harry Saltzman a letter outlining 32 scenes they considered problematic yeah, isn't watch, that almost a film <laughs> tough, yeah. tough watch Thunderball is that it's a slow one it's been a long time it's, slow, it's not one I go back to very often no um, From Russia With Love fantastic film mm. like I think it, I don't think they need to remake it because I think it's a wonderful movie but I think if they ever did remake is that what that'd, be, that'd be a good one to go with yeah yeah really really good but um Doctor No was another one where um, you know it was uh, this you know reclusive Chinese doctor. Um, oh yeah. Uh, portrayed by what was his name? He was definitely Jewish. I know that. <laughs> uh, but they were just sort of like, eh, just rub it, rub it, rub a wet tea bag on him. It'll be fine. Yellow him up a little bit. Hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, hey, it wasn't me. I wasn't there on set. No, no, the no. You were right. making the decision. <laughs> yeah. You Only Live Twice was the first Bond film to be released without any cuts. Uh, however, For Your Eyes Only resulted in one censor taking a huge issue with Melina's top being torn off mm. by the film's antagonist with a big knife. Roger Moore's films passed the board relatively unscathed, uh, whereas Timothy Dalton's License to Kill had several cuts. Oh, they weren't ready for Dalton. The no. world wasn't <laughs> ready Nobody for was, Dalton. no. <laughs> and Brosnan's GoldenEye had multiple headbutts removed and Xenia's sex scene cut down despite her always enjoying a good squeeze. Uh, well, this is, this is the issue, isn't it? We can't show them having a good time. No, 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 no. no. And Daniel Craig's Bond movies were almost all 12 A's, but Casino Royale had to ease up on the torture scene to warrant that certificate. 
and Spectre had to reduce elements of the eye gouging scene to get its 15 rating down to a 12. All those 13-year-olds desperate to see the latest Bond movie. It's all sad dads. Yeah, of course it is. It's all sad dads. I'm happy to lump myself in there, but... Yeah. Saying that, I did... Live and Let Die was the first one I saw, and... Factoring in where I lived at the time, I couldn't have been older than five years old. <laughs> and like a man gets uh, bitten to death by a snake in that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's a Bond movie, so there's just uh, all sorts. Uh, uh, Yafet Koto uh, explodes. <laughs> he gets gets hit by a pressurized dart and uh, inflates to the size of a giant balloon, yeah. and then explodes. Yeah, five years old, and uh, good old grandma like, that's, it's fine, <laughs> it's fine, don't you watch it, it's fine. And then you realise one of the tapes had been recorded over with uh, America's Strongest Men. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they nearly had Ibstock's maddest man. <laughs> Despite some issues with some of these genre-defining hits, such as Rosemary's Baby, Bonnie and Clyde, Night of the Living Dead, and even 2001, um, they still were cut. Like it still went by without heavy cuts yeah. and it was also like in the heat of the night it was kind of um, a big change for cinema because that was the first time a black man slapped a white man on screen for the first time ever do you think they were alright with Night of the Living Dead because the black guy gets it in the end because that was one of the first films with like a black male protagonist like yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Uh, white villains essentially um you know, like Ben, the hero character, is like the only one who has his shit together. Yeah, in the movie. yeah, yeah. And then, obviously, uh, spoilers for the fifty-year-old film, but he just he takes a fucking bullet to the head by a bunch yes. of hillbillies. I don't you. think they saw the social commentary in that, though. To be honest, no, he didn't. He just flew over their heads. No. <laughs> um, and also, like, unlike had, like, the bullet, and like, yes, unlike the bullet, hey. very good. Because even had the slow-mo death scene in Bonnie and Clyde, which was mm. a first of its kind, and we had the shower scene in Psycho. Yeah. Um, that's all so, implied though isn't it I mean if they're literally if they're pulling context out of it and literally kind of going like, what are we seeing here I mean Bonnie and Clyde yeah I guess in Psycho but in you know, Bonnie and Clyde like you, you certainly get, see them get riddled with bullets in yeah. slow motion mm-hmm. this was like a clear change though for the BBFC uh, as I said it was a swing in the 60s however despite all of this progress uh, the next two decades were set to revert any development made completely hooray because <laughs> what happened in the uh, in the 80s Oh, did, did, didn't something get invented? Didn't something become widely available? Well, not that. Not that. I'm talking not political. No, sorry. Right. Isn't it um, Mary Whitehouse? Well, almost that too. But it's literally like this: is the first time the Tories came back into power in a big way uh, in the 80s. Uh, we God had the. How did we miss that? And Dan was right, though. We had the sudden emergence of group campaigning, uh, and these changes that were ultimately made to the board would impact them until the mid 90s. Wow. wow. In the early 70s, they had a string of films that may have provoked this unwelcome change too. Uh, with the sec- Orange. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, mm. we've got uh, the secretary of the board, Stephen Murphy, facing the huge backlash for passing a film such as that, and Straw Dogs and The Devils. And uh, I haven't a- watched The Devils. I really need to watch The Devils. I have not watched The Devils yet. No. I mean, I've watched Straw Dog and Clockwork Orange, yeah. but no, not watched that. And it's important to note that this is around the time where the pro-censorship group that Dan mentioned previously, uh, the Mary Whitehouse group, the Festival of Light, began to criticise the BBFC's decision-making for the first time. So this was a major thing for them. The Festival of Light was actually a short-lived grassroots movement formed by Christians, surprise, surprise, and led by the hugely bigoted Mary Whitehouse, yeah. who were all concerned with how permissive the youth had become. Strangely, though, after doing some research into the Festival of Lights... She was really into gangbangs. <laughs> <laughs> who'd, who'd have thought? Maybe that. She was so busy being a made airtight by three of the dudes, it's a wonder that she found the time to campaign. Good Lord. Well, I mean, we don't have it anymore, but Australia still does. Like Gangbangs? Astra- well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> gangbangs are banned. Oh, shit. <laughs> Better let the boys know. <laughs> and despite what some, because I did a lot of research on the Mary Whitehouse stuff, and despite what some revisionist journalists may suggest, Mary Whitehouse is a horrible human being. She's on a crusade to oppress, and if you ever needed a clear example of this, she once met with Margaret Thatcher to discuss the possibility of banning sex toys. Wow. Yeah. I came out of the meeting with Thatcher going, Jesus Christ, I what, know. A, what a cunt. <laughs> Uh, the Festival of Light, they gained thousands of followers pretty quickly, even without social media. Catchy name. Yeah, yeah, it catchy name. It, yeah. And they attempted to meet with the Home Office to propose changes to the original act that was brought in in the early 1900s. 
When that didn't work, though, Mary would try private prosecutions against filmmakers, and she even attempted to take Stephen Murphy to court over issuing Last Tango in Paris, which is kind of a questionable erotic movie anyway, mm-hmm. an X-rated certificate. You, you're familiar with Last Tango in Paris, Dan? Butter up the arse. Yeah, butter up the arse. It, does, it rings a bell. I just can't. There you go. If Brando was going to go into a type of food, I think, you know, like, you know, marketing, sticks of butter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was looking into that because, like. Melt. What, you're looking into putting butter at your ass? No. <laughs> I can tell you something. Sorry, but. <laughs> yeah, you got, got me there. Uh, the last time in Paris. Uh... Tastes great on some bread or a 14 year old's butthole. <laughs> I mean, if Johnny Rotten gives up on the butter selling, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't believe it's not butthole. It's too organized for this. Yeah. Uh, reporters, obviously, thanks to the festival of light, were convulsing. After sure. This. Tabloids would start slamming out opinion pieces on the purpose and viability of the BBFC almost every single week. And to make matters worse, there were two incidents in Oxford and Manchester, which were strikingly similar to a scene in the Clockwork Orange where the Drews kick a homeless person to death. Right. The Mail would publish one edition with the headline, Why Clockwork Orange Boy Murdered a Tramp. But readers that looked past the headline would notice the murderer had never actually seen the film I was going to say, this, 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 is a, this is a film based on literature anyway, so... Yeah. This content had already been out, been out for a while. For, for That's years, it. Yeah. And there's a, I think there's a common misconception of a lot of people believing that the BBFC banned A Clockwork Orange, mm. but Stanley, Kubr- Stanley Kubrick withdrew the film from circulation instead sure. in the I, UK. I, I know, yeah, That's I know a very that, Kubrick thing to do, isn't it? It's like, ah, yeah. Yeah. I know it wasn't available for a number of years because when it did become available on home media again a massive 1999 you know, after his yeah, death that's when it yeah, became a because that was around the time of the exorcist coming back as well that's it because there were actually what genuine threats made to his family after release Kubrick um, yeah yeah and Kubrick just didn't want the media to continue its assault mm. so he was like well if I withdraw it then you can focus well, on something else I mean it's, it's, it's a good film um, I don't think it's Kubrick's best work it's a good film no, but I no. think I don't know whether this factored into it but I think you you also kind of push your film into something of legend when something like this happens to oh, it yeah. as well if you pull it out of circulation it becomes that much more of a uh, highly sought after yeah more right, enigmatic yeah, yeah. more sort of like jeez mm, you know what's this this is it. Yeah. the same thing when I was saying you know Serbian film or whatever I was like what you're saying I shouldn't watch these movies or I can't watch these it's, it's, well, it's, it's the mystery and the aura around yeah it. absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden it passes into this kind of like urban legend and you know it's it's still um, despite compared being compared to a lot of films that came after it you know, relatively tame in its actual on-screen, yeah. you know, uh, portrayals in, in, in a lot of areas, but it's still kind of held as like one of the benchmarks of like, you know, edge extreme cinema. Yes, it is. That's true. And like, interestingly enough, the BBFC actually examined sexual violence based on the greater merits of the film, which is why like Straw Dogs and A Clock of Orange received certification, because it was kind of like, yeah, this, this shit is nasty. Mm. But in the end like this is like there's a there's something to be said here yeah about the culture however when it came to like the last house on the left that was rejected completely yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that film is is I I think I've mentioned it before Stuff my like, dissertation yeah. I did a yeah, study yeah. of that film and, and okay I watched it like three or four times and I'm, I'm done too many times yeah, yeah. yeah. stuff like that and I spit on your grave where you're just kind of like oh this is exploitation for the sake of exploitation yeah I mean yes. my only thing is I guess I'd hope, obviously, they don't do this eventually, but when they look at something like they look at, is the person that's done it getting their comeuppance? Is you know, is this just yeah. there for just for it to be there, or is there a reason that shock. moves the story along? Yeah, Kubrick's yeah. absolutely Clockwork Orange. You know, he gets. Oh, it's a commentary on a number of things, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Whereas sometimes Last House on the Left and I Spot in Your Grave are a little bit like, I mean, I Spot in Your Grave is revenge, but there's not much. I don't think there's many merits to that. I think it's just yeah. yeah. I mean, well, <clears throat> weapons and sorry, Drew. No, I was just going to say it's it's a case of is the um, is the graphic nature of what you're seeing in support of the plot, or is the plot in support of yes, yes. That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah, and that's, that's the delineation it. you've got to make. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Weapons and household appliances actually became a very hot topic with the BBFC and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was famously condemned by the board as pornography of terror, was refused <laughs> a classification outright. 
That's going to be hilarious. It's quite a metal band name, isn't it? Pornography of Terror. Yeah, but that movie, I mean, that's, again, that's another one that's like, it's this benchmark of like, ooh, edge. And you, you, you break that down to the sum of its parts and you see relatively little, really. You see relatively little, yeah, so that's it, true. It, there's, there's, there's a lot of air of menace, but, you know. It's one gra- of my favourite horror films. Yeah, when Grandpa mm-hmm. can't hold the fucking garlic masher to, yeah. you know, and all of that stuff, it's... You really don't see very much in terms of actual on-screen gore no, at no. all. Like you don't see that the hooks being penetrated like as well in the body, mm-hmm. like it's just left to the imagination. Yeah, which is why it's so effective. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Stephen Murphy, uh, the guy behind the BBFC, was the subject of ridicule from the press for years. However, James Furman was set to replace him. And uh, there's a few people that might be listening who have some very staunch opinions or they do not care for James Furman. <laughs> and he will be the subject of this, the rest of this episode too okay. and the following video nasties. Because okay. uh, he was set to replace Stephen Murphy and to correct the view of the BBFC in the eyes of Mary Whitehouse and any of the publications hell-bent on bashing the board. So Furman is a very interesting character and throughout his entire career he made some very confusing choices. He refuses, he refused a certificate for the home release of The Exorcist due to fears of satanic abuse, but had no issues passing Cronenberg's crash without any curse whatsoever. <laughs> what? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, had he had the wank before he'd come in Because <laughs> I know if I clean the pipes first thing in the morning and I get my head on straight, then I'm generally, you know, I'm, I'm less hot. I'm less hot. I'm less ready to go. Because I've sorted myself out. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> I think if I was working for the BBFC, just... Crack one off before you before you hop on the tube. They need a wank station. Yeah. Just just a room for wanking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, are you hot? Just you know. Yeah. yeah. But it's Go only and blow your beans somewhere. Come back, see how you feel. It's only frosted glass from the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the wank station's only frosted glass from like the, the shoulders down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just so you see people's face. Like, yeah. yeah, just a shaking shoulder. Yeah. Now, to get an idea of who Furman, uh, well, how Furman was, uh, he once told cinephiles at a London film festival that it was fine for them to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but there was simply no telling what the film could do to the mind of a simple factory worker in Manchester. Mm. I mean, you're belittling a factory worker in Manchester there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Like, dick. However, looking at all this stuff with James Furman, he was once interviewed by Ali G. And <laughs> it is a great interview because Ali G was like, it must be the best job in the world watching porno all day. <laughs> <laughs> and James, he feared copycat killings turning up in the news, especially if they were inspired by the likes of Driller Killer, because literally anyone could pick up those exact same tools from the local Wilco's. Yeah. I mean, like, what are you going to kill someone with? A drill. If, yeah, if, you, if yeah. you've got some, you're going to kill them with it. If you're intending to kill, like, well, that's well true. this is what any fucking reasonable person today knows. But it's, yeah, yeah. I think it, panic had already been incited by the various campaigns yeah. and things at this point. So it was that easy to just kind of go, you know, won't somebody please think of the children? You know, these these yep. these idiots that are sewing buttons onto jackets and things all day long. They're just itching for an excuse to. The proletariat is itching to rise up and, <laughs> you know, and take spatulas to the lot of us until we're in, in the cold, hard earth. Uh, so don't let them see the film. When it comes to actual weapons, Enter the Dragon was one of the first films to be targeted by Furman, and that received an ne- unnecessary amount of censorship for years to come. Bullshit. Cause, yeah, bullshit, Mr. <laughs> Furman. Yeah, it did. Um, Furman had it out for the nunchucks, uh, which were relatively unknown until Bruce Lee showcased them uh, in Enter the Dragon. So, also acting on the advice of law enforcement, Furman made sure that nunchucks were removed from the film entirely, and the film's poster of Lee had him wielding a solid stick instead. Mm. Crazy. And fan fears were actually over-exaggerated over local gangs utilising them for the first time ever. Wow. As newspapers played upon the fact that kids were obsessed by this new kung fu craze. I mean, the figures is, though, with nunchucks, the amount of times I've seen people cunt themselves in the air I was just about to say, you it's are... Like, you need to see the weapon and have a go for yourself, Mr. Furman. You, you are and, absolutely uh, going to do yourself in the yeah. nose and all the bollocks. Yeah, you try and mug someone with that and you can hurt yourself and they're going to fucking laugh at you and run away. I mean, maybe. Maybe we might find that out later. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, being obsessed by the new Kung Fu craze, that takes me back to my youth when I was at one of those um, horrible social clubs in the summer 
and this DJ was just like, right, the, the best, the kid with the best kung fu moves wins a prize of like sweets, and I embodied myself as a turtle. Yeah, I was, yeah, and yeah. I went fucking mad for it, and he was Fuck like, Michael, you thought. with the son of the hedgehog T-shirt. I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> And that right there, people, was uh, the greatest moment of Matt's life. One of them. One, One of many. Uh, Furman would actually return to the film, in, even in 1979, a couple of years later, to ensure that more cuts were made and that all martial arts weaponry were, were effectively cut from all future media in the UK. So here we get into, uh, here we get into turtles properly, because even the word ninja... The, the hero turtles. Yes, that's it. Because <laughs> the word ninja had negative connotations uh, with this new scary kung fu culture. So when the, uh, the turtles travelled across the pond to the UK screens, they would be referred to, as Drew just mentioned, uh, the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Yeah, the theme tune was changed and everything. Yeah. I was unaware it was the Ninja Turtles up until seeing the movie. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And this meant that Michelangelo, the best turtle, obviously, uh, wouldn't be seen with his trademark weapon. It was actually replaced with a grappling hook yeah. on the cartoon. <laughs> this, yeah. So, I, I, I just I just, I just want to go back to Furman's dislike of Bruce Lee and Kung Fu. Uh-huh. Do we know his whereabouts during the shooting of The Crow? Go on. Well, obviously it was Bruce Lee's son that got shot. Right. Do, oh, do, I see. You think it was some sort of retaliation. Yeah, yeah. I'm just putting my tinfoil out on here and just thinking, okay. mm, maybe, you know. Maybe if he'd have taken a live nunchuck stick to the belly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I don't suspect foul play there. I no? Think. Okay. I think All right. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there into the ether <laughs> just to see what, what comes up on internet forums. And The Ninja Turtles thing was wild. I mean, as a kid, yeah. I, I didn't know any different. Like I said, I literally it was just Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. That's just what yeah, they were called. I didn't know different. That's what all the toys said on the packaging. That's what the cartoon said and the theme song said. Um, and then the movie came out. I was like, huh, ninjas, eh? Yeah. We were still doing the exact same fucking thing. It was oh, still, yeah. It was still six-foot monsters... Uh, I was going to say kicking the shit out of each other, but they didn't really. There was a lot of tripping no, over. Yeah, a lot of tripping over, like hiding. <laughs> it's quite terrifying when you think about it, isn't it? From an existential point of view, yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at your t-shirt and I'm a bit scared. Well, don't be. They're just breasts. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to be afraid of them. And uh, the first one, you think about it, like had some decent kung fu in it. Uh, how, however, uh, there was a lot of concern from parents over the violence in the film. So when the sequel came along where we had uh, Toko and Raza, um, mm. who were babies. Um, <laughs> the violence was completely... Say it properly. <laughs> They're babies! Thank you. <laughs> uh, the BBFC still had one major issue with the film, despite the violence being cut back. And that issue was uh, sausages. Yes. Yep. During the opening of the film... I'm looking at... Dan's looking at me very confused right now. During the opening of the film, sausages are actually wielded by Michelangelo to fight off some crooks. Instead of nunchucks. Yeah. And that caused immediate concern due to their similarities with the nunchuck. <laughs> yeah. Under the impression that kids across the country would start attacking each other with weapons sourced from their local butchers, the BBFC contacted the distributors <laughs> to question the use of these meat sticks. And this, this was their original report to the distributor. After Turtle takes down sausages and uses them as a flail, Reduce to minimum dazzling display of swinging sausages indistinguishable from chain sticks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that they weren't as concerned about the, uh, uh, the, the, the the rubbish truck, the garbage bin at the end of the first film. Oh, yeah. It literally crushed crushes a man to death and you see <laughs> blood, you know, trickling out over the side of it. But no, it's the... Uh, <laughs> it's the I fucking Pepper funny. Armies that's uh, the main issue yeah, here. Really is. So. I wonder if anyone's been killed by sausages wielded like a nunchuck. No. No. Not in the <laughs> yeah, if I were a betting man. What if? What if like they were frozen? No. 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 Not I reckon you could bludgeon someone with a sauce, oh, frozen sausage. Could is different to has, but yes, I will agree with you. Could. I'm gonna Google it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, settle down, Fairman. Because um, <laughs> he was relentless with this. And when cuts were eventually made to the film, he stated that sausages could look like weapons to any streetwise eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. Brace yourself, though. It gets okay, better. Good. Because, fed up with Fairman's bizarre stance, one examiner on the board decided to showcase the safety of the weapon during a meeting, but in doing so, accidentally strangled himself by catching the chain around his own arm. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
I bet the Monday after this, the fucking head office of Richmond Sausages were just sitting with their heads in their hands. Yes. I can't believe we fucking paid this guy off to show how safe the sausages yeah. are. Amazing. But yeah, I mean, despite this unfortunate display, other examiners were quite clear about there being no evidence, which Dan's looking for right now. Probably. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, there was no evidence used by criminals, uh, but Furman responded by saying it was due to his strong stance on them that they were never used. Imagine being so offended by a sausage. I know, it's insane. And whilst a vast number of films were attacked by Mary Whitehouse for their violent and sexual imagery, one picture insulted her wrath over its religious content, Monty Python's Life of Brian. Hey! Now, Mary Whitehouse was actually making moves around this time because she had just won a court case against gay news for simply them for them simply writing a poem about a man nailing Jesus after he got nailed onto a cross. Ah. Yes. I mean, low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Sorry, excuse the pun. <laughs> but... <laughs> but yeah, sure. Well, it's crazy because White House versus Gay News was the last ever uh, blasphemous libel case in the UK. Mm. And the author... My favourite show or era Godzilla film. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> uh, just, just for anyone that's that's wondering, the answer is no. Yeah, yeah surprise, good. surprise. Good. Until uh, today. Yeah, until today. Uh, the author of uh, Gay News received a suspended nine-month imprisonment and a fine of five hundred pound. Wow. And whilst I'd actually love to recite the poem, it's actually still banned to this day. Oh well. Yeah. Do it. So you can you can Google it, oh, okay. but no, I am not. I've, we talked about this ages ago, Dan. I was just like, I'm not going to recite it. Like, <laughs> like the, the corpse of Mary Whitehouse coming back for me. <laughs> and that was the first and only instance, recorded instance, of the prosecution of the gays. So yeah. at least it was just that yeah. isolated Yeah, it's just that one time. Nothing else. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, pardon the pun, but Life of Brian was crucified by the press hey. upon release. Uh, the Festival of Lights sent a letter to the studio saying this... I need not remind you of the wider implications of scurrilous abuse of God, Christ, or the Bible. Now, the BBFC had provided the film with an A certificate with 28 councils around the country and forced the local X certificate instead, and 11 of them banned the film from appearing in local cinemas completely. (laughs) There is a penis in it. Just about. Just about. (laughs) And Harrogate had banned the movie despite not seeing it, but had admitted to making their decision based on the Festival of Light alone. Mm. Uh, So, of course, despite the Festival of Light picketing cinemas all across the UK, it is strongly believed that their campaign helped boost the popularity of the movie in the first place. There was a Father Ted episode about this, wasn't there? Oh, yeah, I think there might have been. Yeah, uh, it was the Passion of St. Vigius or whatever it was where, you know, he was told by the DSCs that he had to go and pick it outside the the Craggy Island cinema and in doing so everyone got really... He was going, oh, it's terrible, there's sex in it, there's, there's, there's violence and all these people are getting really excited when he's explaining it to him and rushing inside the cinema and he turns it into an accidental hit. It's, a, it's, it's yeah. funny how Gremlin has kind of come full circle, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah I mean, that's, yeah. A, that's a different episode. But mm. I just, yeah, I... I I love the sweet irony of the fact that this, you know, it's an important cinematic work in terms of comedy films. Oh, but, yeah. you know, the film would effectively have come and gone. Yeah. But they, but then it became up yeah. so much that it, 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 it became drove the fourth highest grossing film of the year. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, due to the outrage caused by Mary Whitehouse and her many cronies, the Home Office planned to launch something they called a brand new lifeboat to tackle the turbulent sea of sex, violence and blasphemy in media. Now, the Williams Committee was this new lifeboat and it was set to review laws concerning indecency and violence in publications, including a review of the arrangements regarding film censorship in the first place. Furman knew what the implications could be with the Home Office getting involved, so he was extremely helpful in explaining this policy and the BBFC's approach towards certification by showcasing films such as Straw Dogs and A Clockwork Orange. Right. Which was brave of him, I guess. Sure. And the committee was intent on actually making several changes, and they wanted to include like a new body completely, which would. I mean, they're not going to form and then do nothing, are they? Well, that's it. <laughs> they were going to overrule the power held by local authorities, replacing the BBFC entirely. Hmm. Now, this report made by the committee wasn't completely enacted upon, uh, and Furman had actually successfully defended the work done by the board, even with those movies, and it almost felt like the media was slowly backing away. What nobody expected, though, was the next advancement in home entertainment and how it was going to change 
everything going yeah. forward. Yes, because the video cassette recorder was just over the horizon, and with it came several imp- impl- several implications for the industry, including one of the most difficult periods in the BBFC's history, which leads to the banning of several horror movies, a new black market, and even imprisonments. Mm. But we'll uh, we'll continue that when we discuss this in further detail with a uh, surprise, surprise part two. Ooh, Ooh. Did you fucking see that coming, did you? Oh, I got oh. Gollum. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That, my friend, is what's known as edging. (laughs) Take your hand off that cock and come back next week. Put the butter back in the fridge. (laughs) All right, well, that's a fucking great one to end it all on. Um, Cool. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, That was some really interesting shit, man. Thank you. Um, Yeah, uh, the usual end of podcast spiel. You can find us on all of the social medias. Just search Gashapod. You can email us at gashapodcast uh, at gmail.com. I'm such an old man when I get email addresses wrong. It's hilarious. Um, You can find us on TikTok. (laughs) Yes, smash that like button. (laughs) Ding that bell. Uh, Ring, ring. Feel my bell. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, I'm really looking forward to doing the rest of this. Yeah. It's uh, be a when we meet again ride. in two weeks' time. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to turn the fan on for about five minutes just to. Yeah. 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 And then just we'll be transported in time. Yes. Yeah. We're going to go home. Be with our families then come back. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Goodbye. In a bit. Tastes great on some bread or a 14-year-old's butthole. <laughs>